0: Welcome to the OIS Podcast, where you get candid conversations with the leaders and drivers of ophthalmic innovation. And now, here's our host, Tom Salemi.
1: Hi, welcome to the OIS Podcast. I'm Tom Salemi, and we have a first here on the OIS Podcast today. After weeks of talking with device innovators and drunk company CEOs and doctors, we've got a representative from our digital community with us. And in fact we'll have a whole bank of digital companies presenting at OIS for the first time in Chicago on October 16th. So I'm looking forward to hearing those presentations. Michael Brownell of Gobiquity will be one of those presenters. Welcome Michael.
2: Great, thanks to be to be
1: here. Great, thanks for joining us. Uh I have to admit, I, I looked on GoBiquity's Go website, and I sort of expected to see a guy with a, a sole patch and sandals on there. But you're actually a device guy. You're, you're a vice president. You're a vice president of product development at Interlace. You're a CTO at PowerLace. I mean, you, you've made an honest living in medtech, and now you're in, uh, in mobile imaging. So, so what gives? How would how'd you, you get that gig?
2: Yeah. Well, I got teenagers at home, and they've shown me that you know, mobile has essentially taken over the world. So that, that was a start. Um, and, uh, throughout my career, I've been um, looking at new technologies to solve key problems. And with with uh, digital technology all around us, the the opportunity to um, solve problems is really great. It's a low cost, highly deployable, very flexible platform. And we're essentially mapping um, device testing capabilities onto that platform and bringing it to docs to help uh, you know provide better care to their patients. But you
1: that, that is great, and you're right. It is it is everywhere. Uh, Are you, I mean, you count yourself, though, as your DNA is an ophthalmology, this is an ophthalmology company.
2: It it is a starting, sort of our our core is ophthalmology and imaging. You know, my background is more on the laser side, so I'm trying to figure out how to make a mobile phone into a laser, (laughs) Uh, but maybe that'll be in the future. I would love that. Um, Yeah. But yeah there's a lot of similarities uh, you know bringing new technology into the marketplace uh, whether it's laser technology or mobile technology um, has a lot of similarities um, There's a lot of software uh, software is everywhere these days so we're bringing that into into the clinical environment mm-hmm. uh,
1: I, I'm being a medtech guy I've kind of uh, had a skepticism about all the talk of digital technology and its impact in healthcare and I'm going to be proven wrong I know it but uh, <laughs> That being said, even I can see how digital technology and how mobile technology can work in, in diagnosing problems of the eye. I mean, this is an organ that you can you can see and you can scan. Uh, right. How big of an opportunity is this for you and other companies in this space?
2: I think it's really huge. It's hard to know how huge it is yet because it's pretty new, there, there's kind of the IT side of digital and then there's the clinical side um, and you got players in, in all areas. We're going after you know clinical solutions as you mentioned, the eye is a, is a great organ to image to diagnose and uh, so we're starting out with uh, going after the leading causes of blindness by using mobile phones to capture data. We, we, we sized the sort of the pediatric vision market at just under a billion dollars uh, just domestically here in the U.S. Uh, adult vision market for screening and, and diagnostic capabilities on mobile platforms we think can be multi-billion and we we see a lot of opportunity beyond vision as well in primary care. Primary care essentially uses very uh old technologies or no technologies, very observational, and we're able to bring them tools that they can get data they can't currently get, make decisions uh more efficiently, uh better referral pathways and things like that. So I think there's a lot of new models emerging uh, in the digital side of of healthcare that some of which we probably don't even know yet. Uh, so we're trying to tap into those uh, as we go. I picked a good first one, and we're going to pick a next uh, a couple good ones coming up as well.
1: I, I dream of the day when my iPhone can tell me if my kid has strep throat, so I can know whether or that's not right. I have to keep him home. So yeah,
2: that's that's not too far from being real, I think.
1: Fantastic. Let's get into the origins of GoBiquity. Uh, the company mm-hmm. has real medtech street cred. Its co-inventor was David Wong, who's also co-inventor of uh, OCT. So, so how did this uh, this come together?
2: Yeah, sort of two ophthalmologists and a software engineer walk into a bar. <laughs> <laughs> Out comes the company. Um, not too far from the truth. Yeah, David's a brilliant guy. He's a very creative inventor. You mentioned OCT. Um, Essentially, he was having a discussion with some colleagues about the various clinical problems they were having, and um, imaging the eye is uh, something that's been very, very uh, fruitful. And they started talking about the ideas of using a uh, a mobile phone, a smartphone, to capture data. And there's a couple of different things you could do there, but the one they landed on was uh, amblyopia, pediatric uh, vision screening for amblyopia. Uh, clear clinical need, uh, came up with an interesting idea for a technical solution, um, also had some ideas for uh, the leading causes of blindness in adults for retina disease and glaucoma, put a few patents together and formed a company. Um, and then realizing you need kind of a, a CEO and a team to, to raise money, and, and uh, we met through some colleagues and kind of clicked right away on the, the vision and the strategy, and off we go.
1: How fast has this story unfolded? I mean, being from the device world, you've, you've obviously yeah. accustomed with the, with the typical pace, but InterWest provided your Series A last year, right? And, and now you're, right. You're, you're out with a product?
2: We are, yeah. It's it's uh, it's so fast. It's like all things. You know, if you look around the world, how fast mobiles moved into every every area. These development cycles are are really fast. So we we find we're innovating business model as much as technology. In a lot of cases, we we got funded as you mentioned um, Series A last July, 2013. You know, three months later, we were in a clinical study. Six months later, we had class one and ISO certification. We were in the field in pediatrician's offices learning about reimbursement and workflow and usability. Eleven months after funding, we flipped the switch commercially. And um, now we're adding customers every week uh, that are using our device um, and generating revenue for us. So, you know, it's really a lean, agile type of an approach. Uh, we're moving really quickly. And, um, you know, it's it's really fun. It's really exciting.
1: I bet. No, that sounds great. We're going to take a quick break just to hear a message, and then we'll be right back.
0: OIS is now accepting applications for presenting companies. Share your technology and clinical data with over 800 industry executives, investors, and key opinion-leading ophthalmologists. To be considered for the Ophthalmology Innovation Showcase, apply online at www.ois.net forward slash application. Okay, hey,
1: now we're back with Michael Brownell of Gobiquity. Uh, so, how has you've only been fundraising the one time you've raised a Series A? But what is the environment like out there for companies like yours? Can you do you even have to do a roadshow? Can you raise your money via Skype or over a single phone call? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're
2: do, doing mobile fundraising. Right? <laughs> um, you know, I think last year the the VC environment was was a little bit tough. Um, there'd been a, a, a few years, and so. We were fortunate to find Interwest we had a real similar vision for a category of provider-focused uh, digital health that generated revenue right away, and that was kind of our model. So that was great. Um, yeah, but you know, it was a lot, it was it was tough um, for sure. It's always challenging raising funds. Uh, the the mar- The market's better now. You know, it's a little more buoyant. Um, digital's been hot this year. Uh, been really hot, almost too hot, maybe in the first half of the year. Um, but we're a little bit of a hybrid. We're kind of part. IT software model part device, so it's really about finding the right fit, so I think we're, we're getting a lot of doors open, I have a lot of interest, discuss- I'm out in the road right now, I just started going out for Series B, which is our plan, we want to Series A sort of uh, take a feasible technology and make it commercial, so we did that, which is great, and now we're going to raise funds to capitalize that commercial growth and load the pipeline with a bunch of, uh, of new stuff. Um, so I'm finding that um, people are open to it, but like I say, it's um, it's always it's always work fundraising, and um, and I'll let you know in a few months.
1: Now, <laughs> <laughs> Interwest gives you the great combination of having both the tech and healthcare, obviously two great practices, and in, in one firm. Yeah, absolutely. What are you great. What are you looking for going forward? Are you looking for more of one or the other? And is there any interest from uh, from strategics at all? I wonder.
2: Yeah, interesting question. There's actually a lot of interest from strategics. Some of it might be them just trying to get a beat on the market, but, but I think there's a lot of venture funds at the, at the strategic that are definitely interested. You know, like I said, we're kind of a hybrid, and um, investor uh, VCs that are very centered on healthcare or very centered on IT, it's a hard stretch uh Interwest as you mentioned were a great fit they've got a really strong uh footprint both in healthcare and IT so it was a, it was an excellent fit so that's that's kind of a good investor fit for us someone who understands both sides because it's it's a new it's a, it's a new area and so uh not a, not all the investors are going to jump right into a, to a new category it takes someone who's got a little bit of vision to, for the combination of the issues so that's that's really what we're looking for
1: and we haven't really got, you've talked a little bit about what the device does. We haven't really gotten into, into how you do it. Uh, obviously, this is a podcast, so we don't have the you that we could, uh, that would certainly help the story. But people can go to your website, gobiquity.com, which is G-O-B-I-Q-U-I-T-Y.com. You also have another website. Uh, is it check your Checkyoureyes.com. Uh, go,
2: go check kids. Go check kids. Go check kids, right? Exactly. That's got a lot of uh, current information about the products and video testimonials. A lot of information about amblyopia and how our technology works. Yeah.
1: And, and what is it exactly that you're you're checking? What What does this device do?
2: Yeah, so it's cool. Um, basically, one of the major risk factors for vision loss in kids amblyopia are refractive risk factors. And so the hard thing is you, you got to measure this, um, the refraction of the kids at a really young age, six months to six years, and they just don't do charts very well. Visual acuity charts aren't very effective, and that's why most kids aren't getting caught. That's why it's the number one cause of vision loss. So essentially, we've adapted a technique called eccentric photorefraction, which has been around for a while, onto a smartphone where you take a picture in such a way that the flash, which bounces off the retina and gives you red eye, we can analyze that red reflex and we can calculate the power in the eye. And the pediatric ophthalmology societies have defined thresholds for risk. Um, so we correlate our measurements to those thresholds and then we give an immediate answer to the user uh, after taking a single photograph, uh, whether or not that child is at risk for amblyopia and should be referred or not.
1: That's fantastic. So who are you selling to? Are you selling to the primary cares?
2: Right. Uh, our Pediatricians are our primary target right now. Uh, we're trying to get into their offices, so uh, it's reimbursed. Um, instrument-based photo screening of the CPT code that has uh-huh. been in, in effect for some years, and so uh, the test is reimbursed, so essentially we make money and they make money.
1: Would they be able to do that test in their office right now, or would the reimbursement go towards someone else at this point, someone who's not using this system?
2: Uh, yeah, they, they do it in their office. It's an office-based okay. um, screening, and uh, they can reimburse right now. Yeah, that's what we spent a lot of the first part of the year doing was establishing reimbursement. Mm-hmm.
1: And are they buying it, basically the app, or are they buying a device?
2: Well, what they do, it's a utilization-based revenue model. So uh, essentially, they get the device and the software and the support, so there's no capital outlay. Um, which is great because pediatricians don't have a lot of capital to outlay. <laughs> and um, they use it and they get reimbursed and then they pay us a fee for utilization. Interesting. Yeah.
1: And how do you go about recruiting KOLs to, to support your, your technology? Mm.
2: Yeah, it was great. We started with the pediatric ophthalmologist and there's actually a group there that's uh, strong advocates for instrument-based photo screening because they're seeing how many kids are being missed. And so we grabbed several of the top um, uh, KOLs there. Uh, Sean Donahue, Bob Arnold, David Silbert, Debbie Alcorn, these are just leaders in the field. So um, they're on our MAB, and that's been great, making sure we're clinically grounded, uh, doing the right things. And we're launching regionally. I mentioned we, we launched in July, and so we're in California. And so what we've been doing on the pediatric side for KOLs, we've got a few um our legitimate sort of national level KOLs, and we have a lot more regional ones because um, we're really trying to get into the mainstream practices and understand what their needs are, how their workflow uh, works, um, and how we can really make a difference in their practice and their population. So um, that's how we're building the pediatric KOL sort of regionally.
1: Interesting. And just final question. Uh, I mean, we all have phones, and I joked about the strep throat, but is this something that parents can have in their own hands someday? Is there sort of a a risk with that? Is that uh, is that a future or a potential future for for your one of your devices or one of your applications?
2: Yeah, sure. I think it's it's definitely the potential is there. Um, uh, so mobile phones are ubiquitous, <laughs> and so we want to go there. What we're finding, you know, it's interesting. that primary care providers do get the volume of the population coming through. Right, that's where everybody goes. And so we get an excellent level of clinical validation on the performance and also some level of control to make sure because we're capturing clinically significant data so they can make better decisions. So the, the capturing of that data is important and the clinical, the clinical environment allows that to be done very well. And then we can decide, if, you know, what makes sense to migrate uh, to the population and what doesn't. I think over time it's inevitable that healthcare will be more distributed, um, there'll be more at home testing, more, definitely more remote monitoring, um, and how exactly that migrates, uh, we'll see. Uh, we're trying to get a strong foothold in the, in the primary care providers, provide them high value, better population management of health, lower cost, all those kinds of things. And then you can also migrate upstream to the specialist. The referral network is a little bit uh, chaotic and unclear. And what the Parents will ultimately be able to do at home also needs to be established. So we're starting in uh, ground zero being uh, primary care, and we'll we'll move from there. Terrific.
1: It's been a great conversation. I'm really looking forward to the presentation. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you. It was a pleasure. Take care.
1: Well, that was our 10th OIS Podcast. We've got many more coming, so keep tuning in. But I did want to remind you that the innovators, the investors, the physicians that I've talked to will all be at the Ophthalmology Innovation Summit next Thursday at the Palmer House Hilton in Chicago. It's not too late to come yourself. Go to OIS.net to register. And I hope we'll see you in Chicago.
0: Don't miss your chance to attend the next Ophthalmology Innovation Summit at AAO on October 16th in Chicago. OIS will showcase market changing technologies and provide a forum for industry leaders to discuss and debate the challenges and opportunities facing this dynamic industry. Hear what world-renowned ophthalmologist and inventor, Dr. Steve Charles, has to say.
2: This is a great forum to get everybody in the same room. These are not separate parts of the puzzle. They've got to be a cohesive unit to work together. We can't see the FDA or the venture capital communities adversarial. They've got to be part of the process, and so this is dialogue. That's what this is about, and it was a very effective forum for that. It's the fifth time they've held it. It's also very effective in the spring at the ASCRS meeting. I'm delighted to be a part of it.
0: So visit the new OIS SuperSite for more details and to register at
2: www.ois.net.